This podcast was recorded live on April 8th at 10 p.m. Things may have changed since the time of this recording. Please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I am Samora, your host, and the fellows are here for another episode of SJH Man Cave. We are live on Facebook and looking forward to another fantastic conversation. You can follow our Facebook page at SJH Man Cave and our Facebook group at SJH Podcast Family to get notified when we're going live and engage in discussions we have throughout the week. You can also see our videos on YouTube at SJH Man Cave. And with all that being said, let's dive right in. And we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. I know for the uh, past few weeks, we've been talking specifically about stories that have been in the news, but all three of us are here in Chicago. And this time, we're not going to talk about any particular news story. Just going to talk about what it's like as parents being in Chicago right now. I'm not sure if it's clear for people who don't live in the state, but ever since COVID broke out, we have been experiencing a significant increase in violence pretty much across the board. Um, Last year, 2020, was the most shootings we've had in two decades, except for 2016, which had, I think, about maybe 15 more murders. Other than that, It's been two decades since we had as many killings as we experienced last year. Uh, Domestic violence cases, of course, increased all across the country, and we're no different. The Illinois Domestic Violence Hotline received 16% more calls in 2020 compared to the previous year, and they received 936 emergency text messages compared to just 37 of these messages the year before. So just across the board, whether it's shootings, homicide, or domestic violence, we're just experiencing a lot more crime than we ever have before. And we're all parents trying to deal with this. But actually, my first question is, even before this whole thing kicked off, Jason ran to the suburbs and punked out and decided not to live in Chicago. And I'm curious, brother, did you choose to do this because of the crime? Or was there a different reason? Yes, I worded it just like mm, that. Mm. Just like that. <laughs> we're kicking off the show today, huh? All right. Cool. Absolutely. That's what's up. <laughs> Why'd you abandon us, brother? Because <laughs> uh, y'all live in shitty neighborhoods. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, for me, honestly, the decision to move out to the suburbs, I honestly hadn't even really thought about it when it just kind of happened. Uh I met my wife. She lived on the west side of Chicago, uh, Chicago Avenue, to be perfectly honest, which scared the hell out of me. Uh, It was not fun going to visit her at first. Uh, Luckily, she moved into a part where I was a little bit more comfortable, where the expressway was a little bit more accessible. Did you grow up in the hundreds? How you scared to go over to Chicago Avenue? Because I grew up in the hundreds. (laughs) The hundreds is what it is. I mean, I lived amongst that. Like, the hundreds wasn't nothing to me at that point, like. You know, oh, you go, oh, well, you go into an entirely different environment. The West Side is an entirely different environment. And you can't tell me it ain't. You live, you sir live where you live. I we have got, problems coming to your house sometimes. We got two South Siders trying to say it's a whole different environment. But I'll have everybody know the majority of the violence happens on the South Side. All right. The amount of violence that happens in Chicago overall a very small portion of it actually comes from the West Side. For those who don't live here, just they throwing know. that out. You know, the oh, West Side is the only ones who sit there and take count of how many people that get died on West Side of town. Only the, the West, West Side <laughs> seems to do that. The West Side <laughs> know where to hide the bodies better. 
Uh, and all them lights with all the glasses, you know. <laughs> you know. Wow. I mean, I, I'm just saying, look. I'm, no, I, I feel you, though, Samori, because Jason never wanted to come to my neighborhood either. Like, he ain't want to come you live. to the regular South Side. <laughs> where you live? Jason didn't want to come nowhere else in the city. <laughs> he just wanted to stay where he was at and call it. Hey, look, again. first of all, first of <laughs> all, my but house wild. was way more welcoming. All right. I had Stop. a house. Y'all had a place to come where you could lay your heads if you had to. You could fuck around. Y'all had, we had, I had a TV. Bruh. I had food. Y'all didn't even want to be in y'all own places. Y'all was always at my house. What y'all talking Bruh, about? You, you are the only one on this podcast who grew up in a neighborhood that is legendary for violence countrywide. If I say 87th to some to somebody from outside Chicago, they have no idea what I'm talking about. If I say North Lawndale to somebody outside Chicago, they have no idea what I'm talking about. But if I say I grew up in the wild hundreds, they immediately know, oh man, you grew up there? Oh dog, I heard some stories about that area. Stop it. First of all, <laughs> First of all, don't even be sitting here putting it out there like I grew up in the Wild West or something like that. Like I grew up, like I grew up on the OK Corral and Wyatt Earp and then was around there having to shoot motherfuckers all the time. Yeah. Look here, my side of town, just because they called the Wild Hunters, my shit ain't no different than anybody else's. <laughs> Granted, uh, I just didn't want to raise my kids in that type of environment. Uh, when I made the decision to move out to the suburbs, like I said, it was one of them ones that was... Uh, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was just more along the lines for my comfort level. Uh, I personally felt like I could live anywhere. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, I have to. I make sure that I have to make sure that I take her feelings into account. I want her to be comfortable wherever we are. I want my kids to be comfortable wherever they are, and so on and so forth. And in, and in retrospect, I'm gonna be comfortable wherever I am. Now, for the simple fact that I don't live in the city right now, uh. When I travel into the city, I am a little bit more weary because I haven't experienced the city the way it has been like lately. So I don't know a lot of like the triggers or the things to watch out for. <laughs> so, wait, 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 wait. Look, here. look when, when before I moved back to the city, right, I came to visit one year. And uh, right before I left back, Jason was, was like, okay, we going to go to Uncle Remus and get some chicken. And boy, we circled the block one good time. Jason was like, if there's a bunch of niggas there, I ain't, we ain't stopping. <laughs> <laughs> we had to circle the block and make sure. <laughs> hey, for real? Jason, you couldn't walk amongst the people? Come Dude, on, man. Look here. I'm sweater vest wearing, button-up shirt, homeschool, brother. I still don't turn away from the restaurant if there's some people standing outside. I'm like, yo, first, these first, are my brothers. First all right? of all, <laughs> Hudson, that time you came back and you visited, I took you to Uncle Remus. That's before they opened up the one over here closer by me. <laughs> the one that's on Roosevelt. So we had, I had to venture in. And I had been there multiple times because my wife enjoys the chicken. So do I. I have made the conversion from Harold's over to Uncle Remus. Wow. But the one that I took you to, which was on Madison, uh, I, I don't know the, the block. It's one of them hot blocks. And Uncle Remus in that particular area 
is surrounded by Negroes. I'm sorry. It just is. I mean, the majority of the time when I go there, when I motherfuckers ain't even ordering chicken. They just hanging out in there. I'm like, are y'all even, are anybody in line? Like, they've been there for like an hour or two before I even got there and ain't ordered nothing. And it's always, and you know how black folks are, man. It's always everything, every, every, every conversation, almost every interaction almost seems aggressive. Like, it almost seems like it's going to be a fight all the time. Like, why are they so loud? What, what, why are they so upset? Did they not get their chicken yet? Did they order? How long y'all been here? <laughs> but they just they just talking. Look, and that, I'm not used to it. Right there, though. That, that's it the is. left side right there. Because <laughs> they they Alone talk not. to you. They they talk like you always across the street. Like, they, they yelling like you always over there. When you write next to him, and it never makes any sense. Like, why are you so loud? <laughs> I'm standing and, right here. And you was there. You was there with me. You saw what it was like. It, they was it was they was tons of dudes in there. It was tons of cats there. Wasn't nobody getting no chicken. They was just there. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. Half the time you go to Uncle Remus over there, the window be busted out. You're like, did that just happen? Or they just like the glass still be on the ground. I'm not used right. to that stuff no more. I'm just like, I, all right, I don't know how to handle myself in these situations. I, I grew up in it, but it has increasingly changed in what people are hood-wise now as opposed to when I was a kid. It just is, especially in the last 10, 15 years. Because, hell, for two years, I lived in a whole other state. And it came back to this. Hudson, you was there. How many black folks did we really see in Las Vegas? No, you're right. You're right. Look, look. Let me let me admit that that when there there was when I came and <laughs> visited Samori, and, and Samori was like, "Look, get off on the blue line <laughs> at this stop." I'm a, you put him on the you put him on the train. Ooh. And I got I, I got off the, the stop. I got <laughs> off the stop, and you know, at a blue line, got got they they oh. like run parallel, so. You got like two westerns or whatever, right? I got oh off on God. the wrong one, and I looked around. Oh. I was like, "Oh, this is rough right here." Samori <laughs> <laughs> was like, "Hey, he had the crib killing." Wonder where Hudson at? Samori was like, "You got off on the wrong one." I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> he offered you to come get you and that like that. Like, hey man, just go and get back on that other one. Come on, make your way this way. <laughs> it was rough, man. I was, I was trying to get to a McDonald's so I could charge up my phone so I could call it. Because I had no juice in my phone. Bruh. Oh, Bruh. This is why y'all got to just go ahead and stay in Chicago, man. It keeps you strong. And he's so comfortable. Lose your sensibilities. He's just so comfortable sitting in the crib. Like, this ain't nothing that's shooting. They just shot outside the house. We all good. They ain't shoot up in here. They know better than shoot up in here. (laughs) So do you feel like, you know, being out in the suburbs that you've had a different experience trying to raise your children than you would have if you had stayed in Chicago? I definitely know the experiences are much different. Um, for my kids, like I think about like if like nowadays, like if I if I did make a decision to move back to the city and then I would have to introduce my kids to a public school kind of CPS mentality. I'd probably be right back out in the suburbs because they'd be begging me not to do it. 
my daughter, I don't think she'd be able to handle it very well. My son, I think it would mess with him at first, but I think he'd just mess around and he'd just configure the way he need to be. Hmm. But I don't want to put him in a situation where they have to do that. Granted, I'm not about trying to limit or just like we've talked about before, I'm not trying to suppress anything from them because I need them to have experiences because they're going to get out here in the world and they're going to have all kinds, especially go to college. There's going to be all kinds of folks there. You know what I mean? Depending on where you go. And, you know, I don't, I don't want them to just run into shit. They just don't know how to handle themselves or they don't know what to expect or they just completely just, you know, thrown out of the, you know, just thrown completely off guard by how people are, how they act. So, you know, I don't, I don't make it a point to like go to the hood to show them what the hood is like and nothing like that. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we have conversations, we watch the news. Jada always asks me questions about stuff that she hear and we talk about the news. Her mother, as much as, as much as Cindy just put me in, in lotion status here in the comments, my beautiful wife, anytime I've ever even talked about driving and visiting any of you in the city, you don't know the kind of conversation she sits down and has with me before I leave my house. Now, I'm not a kid. I'm 41 years old. <laughs> she sits me that all right Jason listen you you know you're going you know you're going over there to see Samori I'm gonna need you to be careful I'm gonna need you to say a <laughs> prayer <laughs> I'm gonna need you to watch your surroundings <laughs> like I'm four like I'm eight years old like I ain't never been outside before I'm like yeah I know it's, it's okay I'm we're gonna be all right but I when it when it, when it just just the 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 comfortableness and like out here is just a whole different kind of atmosphere that that it's not even that I'm used to in having to teach them or trying to help them adjust to. So I'm I I've lived that life of being in the hood and going to the hard schools and dealing with brothers and sisters and just being the way they are. But just the difficulty in coming out here and trying to help navigate my kids through these white folks hmm. and this suburban attitude. Even I got problems with it half the time. I, cause a lot of me from then pops out from time to time, and I have to learn how to shut it down because I, I I don't want to get ran out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, I don't I don't I don't want one of them experiences that I'm gonna have. I I don't want to have a very bad experience. I want to keep my atmosphere cool, calm, and collective, and I like being where I'm at, where I can I can be comfortable, and I want my kids to be comfortable. So Hudson, what about you? Uh, me and you, we're both raising our children in Chicago. And of course, a big part of that is trying to protect them from the violence and the things in their environment. And also trying to make sure that your children don't internalize the things that they see in their environment. So you know, are there particular signs you look for you know, in your children to try to make sure that they're not <laughs> internalizing things that are essentially negative for them? Well, I mean, I mean it's so hard because because they're they're both so young that that signs signs could be anything. I mean, yeah, she mm-hmm. could stop eating peanut butter and jelly or something. Man, I, and that could be a sign <laughs> that, she, that she turning on us. I I don't know. So I mean, it's it's really a tough question. Um, I, I I would hope that I'd be able to recognize any signs that she was turning to to some type of dark place in her mind, um, but you know, see, like my oldest is is so so um, social, 
She's so very social. Mm-hmm. So I, I would think one of an obvious sign would be is if she just started internalizing and started, you know, just being antisocial all of a sudden. I mean, that would send out a bunch of red flags to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my my youngest, <laughs> she just bopping around here messing with everything and everybody. So I, I don't think I'm going to get a sign out of her. She not right now. She's still developing her personality. So, you know, but uh, I would hope, yeah, I, I would hope that I would be able to spot anything. But I mean, I could I could see if you're with somebody all the time and it's gradual change, I could see that it would be hard because um, mm-hmm. I, I think these changes just don't happen overnight. I think they're they're gradual. So I think it really takes someone to, to kind of help you outside looking in to, to possibly someone who, who, doesn't, who comes around every so often, an uncle, a, a aunt, or a, a cousin or somebody say, wow, they sure changed. You know, right. <laughs> maybe that's kind of what people need to listen out for, because maybe just being around that person all day, maybe you might not even notice. Yeah, it's interesting, like for me with Simone, for the most part, she's home, except when she goes to daycare. So we're not at the point yet that I'm really, really concerned about what she might be exposed to or what she might be internalizing. But going through this experience now has definitely made me think a lot more about what it was like when I was growing up and what my parents um, would do with me. Like my father, he's NRA member, um, Ford card instructor, you know, he's really big on owning a gun, knowing how to use a gun, things of that nature. He never allowed even toy guns in the house. Like we never had Nerf guns or water pistols or anything like that because he was terrified that we would grow up thinking that guns were toys and that people around us would, you know, influence us to potentially use guns for negative purposes. And it's stuff like that that I kind of never really put much stock into, never really thought about beforehand, that now having a child trying to figure out what are some of the things that I need to be doing in my house to make sure that I'm raising a child who's going to both do right by herself and do right by the people around her. You know, how do you shield how do you shield your children from some of those perspectives that are going to turn them in a negative direction? One of the things I keep hearing over and over again is that these kids, they're turning towards gangs and crime because they like family, because they come from households where they don't necessarily feel supported and don't feel like people have their back. So they end up joining a gang and getting that family unit type of feeling from the gang that they're in. Considering that, do you all feel like the single parent households that we have in Chicago, the fact that they're so widespread in the black community, not just in Chicago, but really across the country, does that contribute to the problem or is it really kind of separate from the problem? And Hudson, I'll start with you. You know, I, I, I honestly thought long and hard for, for the entire time that we, that we thought up uh, about this question. And you know, I, I just gotta, I just gotta take it to something simple. Boys do not get enough hugs anymore, and I, I think that's whether it's a single household or if it's a if it's a two parent household. Look, 
I I think I think like like you even hear mothers now just just a lot of them go tell telling the boy to walk it off. If if he got any kind of emotion or if he got any kind of feelings he can't handle or understand. And I, I think about girls, even in two parent households, they get they get a ton of affection from from their mothers and from their fathers. Fathers will be quick to give their little girls a, 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 a good hug when they need it or when they want it. But boys, boys, boys don't get that kind of, you know, boys get less affection. Boys get that. They got to grow up tough and be tough. Right. But they're not growing up tough. That It don't make them tough. It's just it, no. they just get distant. They get bitter. They get angry. You know what I mean? Like like people. Like so many people are growing up with a whole bunch of anxiety and and fear and and everything like that, where they want to turn to to other outlets just to try to get some of this off of them. They're they're really looking for a way to calm themselves down, and they just don't know how. And and I think a hug, if if parents would take their sons and and show them that affection that I think every child needs. Then, then I think that would solve a whole lot of problems, whether it be a single parent household or, or a two parent household. But if it is a two parent household, both parents got to do it. Now, it don't work when the mother just gives out affection and the father don't. Father got to give out mm-hmm. the affection too. And I, I, I think I see it all the time. I think I see it all the time. And the answer I get. When I when I even bring this up is is well I didn't get a whole lot of affection growing up and I turned out fine mm. and and my mm. response back to them is <laughs> did you are you sure mm. did you really <laughs> you know because I know a lot of used to be thugs and, and wanna be gangsters that was out there having those same kind of issues and they just happened right. to survive it and get through it so. Them saying they turned out fine, I think they got a lot of trauma in them from a lot of things that happened to them along the way. So mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I've gotten away from having two parents helps, but I don't think it helps when one parent is distant emotionally and, and, and doesn't show the affection that these kids want because that affection creates the confidence it, it it, it helps them to learn how to calm themselves and, and center themselves. So I, hmm. I think it's more of that than anything else. But having two parents that are there, I, I think it does help. And I think it is always better than one parent. Jason, what about you? Well, since I grew up in the house with my both my mom and my dad, I... I have I I I know that experience of it, but I've I've had plenty of buddies. I've had friends who've grown up in single parent homes. Uh, uh, one of my best buddies I grew up with on my block. Uh, his mom uh, took care of him, his two older brothers, and older sister. And be perfectly honest with you, like just the life and the the, the lifestyle that he led, you know what I'm saying? He he was one of them hood boys, you know, he was he was into the gang life and stuff like that. His brothers were too. And I remember like his mom used to he she worked a lot. You know what I mean? She was trying to take care of a home. 
she was taking care of her, her boys and stuff. And, you know, we did what we did on the block and stuff. And we had a little fun and stuff. And they they had a little different kind of lifestyle because of, like, the you know, the, the, the gangster life and what it is. What I remember about them most was that in those days, like, just talking about how we were in, like, the 80s and the 90s, like, even though they seem to be looking for family or they seem to be looking for, I don't know, some kind of resemblance or something that they can, they can take as some kind of parenting figure or something like that. I remember that dude's moms loved her sons and she, she even accepted me. She, she, I was one of the kids on the block and one that she made sure that wasn't out here acting crazy. And that was back when parents, you know, parents were allowed to be a village there was never arguments between parents in regards to, you know, Hey, I saw Jason, you know what I'm saying? Running down the back of that alley. Uh, I went over there, smacked him in the back of his head and said, you know, your mama know better. As soon as I got over there and she told that to my mama, my mama equally slapped me in the back of my head, sent me on in the house. Girl, thank you for letting me know. You keep them out them alleys. You see them out there again. You let them, you let me know. You know what I mean? It, it was one of them situations where like every, like parents had an understanding on, we all, it all took all of us to to get our kids, you know, to get the kids through life, to get them to the point where they'd be able to take care of themselves. And even with the gangs and stuff like that, like there was still there was still an air of structure. There was still something there where the kids that were involved felt obligated or they felt like there was a that there had to be some form of respect. You know what I mean? It's like there, there was never a situation where I ever got a feeling like my guy or his brothers or his sister ever hated or ever disrespected the, his mother. Never. You know what I mean? Like this woman was the monarch of her household, even though she was she mostly worked and you rarely ever saw. Her. But when you did see it, it was a, it was a treasure to see her. It was great to see her. She'd be out on the porch watching us outside play, things of that type of nature. So it was. It was a village in them days. It was a village, not only for parents who were able to, who had their relationships and both were able to be in their kids' lives. You had other parents who were able to reach out to people who lived across the street, people who lived on the next block. You know what I mean? It's like we we all had the same purpose. It was get these kids through this life and try and teach them something and get them through the best way they can so they can get up and grow, you know, make their kids the same way. And then it was it like now you don't you don't see that village mentality. You you if 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 a if a mother if I mess around and I tell a kid, "Hey, you know, I work in I work in a a, a retail store." If I tell a kid, "Hey, man, you can't get up on that jewelry counter." Nine times out of 10, somebody mom going to come out and cuss me out. Mm-hmm. And the kid gonna be right behind him cussing at me. <clears throat> so there's there's no respect involved anymore. There's no there's no structure. It's almost like parents. I I don't know. Like it's it's weird on how people are deciding to. to people are. It, it seems almost like instead of being parents for these kids, it seems like more of an attitude of being their best friends. You know what I mean? I'm gonna be your best friend. I'm gonna kick it with you. We gonna smoke weed together. We gonna we gonna dress alike. We gonna go to the same party, shit like that. And there's no there's no respect developed at that point. 
these kids need parents, not friends. They got plenty of fucking friends. They plenty of motherfuckers running knuckleheads running around here that don't know shit that they don't know. The adults were there supposed to be to guide them and give them the information that they didn't have. And it seems like nowadays, these kids are just completely on their own. Even when they got a parent, whether it's a single adult or whether it's two of them sitting in the household, if the parents ain't being fucking parents, then it ain't no point in them being there. They are just some random fucking people out here that, that, that aren't helping them do anything. They're not teaching them anything. And if they're allowing them to go out and just figure it out on their own, then it defeats the fucking purpose of calling you a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I definitely agree with a, a lot of what you're saying. I do feel like um, the the spread of single parent households in our communities is a major contributing factor to the crime that we're seeing for some of the reasons that have already been mentioned. I definitely agree with Hudson that a lot of our young black boys, they're not getting the affection that they need and they're not getting the guidance that they need. They're not being taught how to deal with their emotions, which is why it's so easy when they have an emotional reaction for them to respond with violence, because where are the mature male figures telling him, this is how you handle anger. This is how you handle depression. This is how you, you know, conduct yourself in a way that's positive for yourself as opposed to lashing out with violence all the time. And, but I guess the, the difference for me is a lot of times when I hear people talk about single parent households, they always blame the women. They're like, all the women, you know, they're taking over and the woman running everything and blah, 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 blah. And to me, (laughs) the problem was with the men. The problem is that there is a lack of male leadership in our communities nationwide. Like, yeah, these kids, they are being raised by women and most of their role models end up being women. Why are you blaming the women for that? (laughs) Like, where are the guys? Where are the men? Where are the men who are standing up and trying to present themselves as leaders and role models in the community? And I'm not saying that they're non-existent, but there's just way less of us than there should actually be. And it is having a serious negative impact on these kids. I talked to so many kids where basically any man who comes up to them, who tries to give them some knowledge and impart some wisdom It's like the first guy who's done it. They're surrounded by these guys who either could care less or who are so dysfunctional that, you know, how can you really even listen to them or get guidance from them? And I feel like it's a major, major serious problem. I don't see how things are going to change until we have more men who are willing to care about, you know, children in general, because we definitely need to get back to our communities, be a village but we could just start out with the basic care about your own damn child. Well, care about uh, your own damn child. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of men out there and, and what they want is is a role that does not exist anymore, that has not existed since like the 40s. They want they want a role of being able to be the head of a household when when they don't they don't probably don't bring in, <laughs> you know. Enough money to 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 make it as the head of the household. You know, we're living a world now where you need two incomes. You know, so it ain't the woman just stay home. 
It ain't that no more. When it was that, then, then maybe it's something different. But it feels like that a lot of men are holding on to something that ain't, it ain't that no more. You can't just go in and say, I'm going to run things and don't hardly want to do any of the other stuff that, that goes along with running a household now that, that men have to share in the responsibility of doing. And, that, and that's what I see a lot of times when I see a lot of men complain about they don't, you know, it's men that you don't see hardly take the time out to, to pick up and wash the dishes. You know, there's a lot of men you don't see hardly take out the time to clean, to help clean the house or do anything that helps with taking care of the home. You know, but they don't earn the money to, to be able to have the wife stay home all day, nor does she want to do that anymore. The wife would like mm-hmm. to go out and, and do work, too. I mean, that's just the world we live in. And we got to learn how as men to, to we can still be ahead in the household, but we have to work with our women in order to make that household work. It can't just be a woman does what I tell her to do anymore. See, I see that as a separate issue. Like you could be in your child's life and not be in the home. And I understand, I, I agree. There that there's a to to there's an erosion of the black family, right? We're we're trying to find out how black men and black women can get back to being family together in the same household. And there are a bunch of reasons, including progression in general of the opportunities available for women. There are a bunch of reasons why that's not happening right now. But to me, that's separate from being there for your child. And I see uh, way too many instances where the guy has decided he wants nothing to do with the woman, which means that the child never sees him. And I understand, like, you know, crazy baby mamas and all that. There's a whole lot of reasons why that happens. But at the end of the day, I don't understand how you don't fight to be a part of your child's life. Because at the end of the day, when one of the parents decides that they don't feel a responsibility to be there for the child, the community ends up having to deal with it. Yeah, but what do they all think, too often? What do they think being a part of the child's life is? Again, they get they got that they got that forties mindset where they just throw some money down on the table and say, "Woman, go take care of it." So, you know, they it, feel like they could just give their child support or or they mm-hmm. could just and then it, it's just whatever else is on them. They feel like they see them every other Saturday and they've done their job. They feel that way. I I understand that. And I, I think I also, also wanted to respond to the other side of it where you talked about the men who ne- can't necessarily contribute a certain amount to a household and therefore it makes them feel like less of a man and doesn't make them feel like they can be head of that household. I think that's, I think that's fundamentally wrong. I I don't feel like we should be coupling how much income you produce or how much income you're worth. That should not be coupled with how much of a man you are or whether or not a woman can accept you as the man of the house. I've been unemployed. I've been laid off. I've been that guy who was bit, who was coming in with no income. It did not make me feel less of a man. And I didn't feel like my stature in the household had somehow come down, nor do I feel like I should have. 
<laughs> I don't feel like that has real a real basis in reality, especially since when the shoe was on the other foot, when the woman has nothing to bring to the household, when she's not providing any income, absolutely nobody's pointing fingers at her saying, why aren't you doing more? So if we're supposed to be living in this more equal environment where, hey, you don't you don't treat me a certain way because of gender, then I feel like that has to be part of it. We as men should not be expected to all of a sudden have to take care of all of the woman's financial needs. And if we don't, then then we're lesser and we lose our stature in the house. Well, Jason, see, that's what, what your thoughts? men think. That's what, what a lot of men think. That's the unfortunate part is a lot of men think that. And, and they, they just don't. Uh, uh, to me, they're just not getting the picture of if they were doing what they were supposed to do, money aside, I think most women would not have a problem with it. But I think you, I don't cu- agree. you couple it all together with everything and you take everything into account. Now it's a huge problem. But if they were doing everything that they could for their child, if they were coming and trying to visit regularly, if they were trying to really stay in that child's life, and if money was the only issue, I think a lot of women would not would not concern themselves with it. Jason, what is your thoughts? Well, when we're talking about traditional families and we're talking about, you know, two parents being involved in kids' lives, a lot of this stuff kind of falls on old, the, the social norms that everybody's trying to change right now, right? So right now, traditionally, the way homes are, you know, the majority of them, you're dealing with a lot of single families. But in those single families, there are situations where you have some who have a father, like Hudson say, like you you have some folks out here who are completely pull themselves away and just, you know, leave it to what it used to be. And, you know, the way the kids turn out is usually blamed on whoever's left in the household that's taking care of them. Not none of the, none of the, none of the thought behind what that person is doing in order to raise those kids or to get them through what they teach them is ever really thought up because we see about how these kids react and act out in the streets. So, with these traditional, with this traditional attitude, I, is that something that we want back because we feel like things were better then, or is it that what's being created right now is just a new norm that's that has some dysfunctional value evolved into it, as well as neglect. So, for some of these kids, I mean. I kind of feel like you kind of look at you have to look at genetics on that as well. So at this point, like you got people out here having kids with just any random person and with the way some of these people are mentally and psychologically, I don't know if that all transfers, you know, when it comes to genetics and everything, but I mean, you see a lot of, you see a lot of a person in their kids. So at what point, not only are we looking at what parents are doing, but what are we doing? What, what What is it that we're doing when these kids are making the decisions that they're making? Uh, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like just the environment and everything that they do nowadays influence them more 
than parents do. And it doesn't really matter how much influence that, that or how much attention that you get from those parents because society has, I don't know, it just feels like it has a better position on your kid's mind. Uh, we, we had the conversation last week about uh, music and people, people's orientations can't, can't change a person, but it can influence them. So it, it almost becomes a question of, can you be a better influence on your child as opposed to society? And it kind of seems like society's winning because these kids are so confused that they don't really know how to react and they don't know what to do, that they just respond with violence because it, it gets them the attention that they crave. And it doesn't matter what kind of attention they want. It's just attention. So, you know, I, it, it I, I don't want to sit here and say that it's all the parents' fault. I mean, it always starts at home. But um, I think there's so many factors and there's so many things that that are against parents nowadays that they it, it has no choice but to influence your kid. And I, I make it a point of looking at, at, at the statement that Latrice, thank you for joining us tonight, in regards to how she feels about one of her own kids. She 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 raised three beautiful daughters and they're all they're all exceptional. I've met them. They're good kids, smart kids. But she has one in particular that she has personal issues with. And it's like, you know, if, if she is a single mother, she take she took care of her kids as best she can. She had family influence as well. People helping to bring these kids up. But their influences that she felt changed her kid she went to a different school different environment different people different kind of atmosphere and it changed her mindset in a way that it totally went against what she was taught so at what point do we start looking at our environment a little bit more because not only does that environment influence the kids i mean i think it kind of feels like it, it it has an effect on the parents as well Definitely. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know. Well, I mean, like now it just seems like a big psychological game. When I when I was growing up, it was tons of single parents. So so I mean, when we talk about environment, we grew up in that environment too. So so we're just passing along, and 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 I think kids take things and take them, and whatever we do, I think our kids take it and do it better. So what they did back then and, and the way we had all those single parents back then, now we didn't grown up and just took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> and it, and, and it, it's like mm-hmm. back then, and I mean, I don't know how y'all felt, but I know when I went back then, it, it was not necessarily looked at as, I mean, I won't say people, well, some people were, like some people would come down on a single mother. They would come down on a single father. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they'd be asking, oh, oh, she couldn't keep a man. Or mm-hmm. or he or why can't he get a mother for them kids? I couldn't tell you how many times I heard mm-hmm. him say that about my dad. He yeah. can't get a mother to help him with that boy. You know, you can't as many times I heard that. But now, mm-hmm. and I think it was partially in due to 
we wanted single mothers to, to feel more empowered and want them to, to not feel like that they were bad people just because they were single parents. So I think what turned into it, when we just want to give them confidence, I think instead we made it more of a lifestyle than we meant to. And I think now it's just become this whole thing of yeah, single parent is the new norm. You know, like like right nowadays, I just don't see where where people are really taking marriages that seriously. And and again, just like Samori said, it doesn't mean just because you're you're not with the woman or you're not with the man, it doesn't mean y'all can't be a, a part of that that child's life in a significant way. But but it it does it does it does make the situation more difficult. It does. You know, as opposed to both so, together. So considering where we've all kind of came up in this environment, right? These neighborhoods that seem to consistently churn out this dysfunction, you know, single parent households, crime, domestic violence, things of that nature. Who do we blame? Who do you all blame more for the situation that, that these communities are now in? Do you feel like the fault really lies with the parents and it's the adults who need to get their stuff together, act right, do what they need to do for their kids and get our communities back on track. Or is it really just the kids? You know, a lot of people say these kids are just bad. These kids don't have morals like the way we used to. Is it the kids that are really the problem and who should be the main focus of reform for a lack of better word, to stop this cycle and get our communities back on track. Jason, I'll start with you. I think you have to look at the kids in regards to where the solution lies. When it comes to blame, I really can't give an answer on who to blame because that, that, that almost seems counterproductive. We know where the problem is. It's, it's these kids who, who don't have any direction. They have no support and they don't have an idea of what the fuck to do. So at some point in time, we have to get these kids this information. We have to give them some kind of guidance. And if it's a point where parents are being cut off from their kids or somehow they're being their their influence is being, you know, blocked for something else to influence them. I, this is hard for me. It really is. Just just thinking about this, because like I, I think about like how some kids are, and I think about like how I was, and like things are completely different. Like it's it's weird. It's weird to say that the TV. Like back then, it was like, well, the TV is ruining kids. You know, these video games is ruining kids. Hmm. <laughs> okay, well. Hmm. Uh, you you try to think about it like, well, did it? Like, did it just did it just just <laughs> like it didn't mess up the first kids, but like these new kids that came because clearly the games progressively got better. You know what I mean? It, they just evolved just like everybody else did. So you start looking at it like, okay, well, did these video games kind of mess up these kids? Like, we I know we as adults in it. Well, I played Grand Theft Auto when I was twenty years old. I didn't go out beating hookers up and, and shooting people in the head. Yeah. But Buddy just walked into a school 
and aired out half his classroom wearing a GTA hat and, and overcoat and everything else. So did it have some influence? It's hard to say. It's hard to say yes. It's hard to say no. It's hard to put a finger on and say, yeah, this is the problem. I think the problem I see right now is the fact that these kids are being blinded by what's right. The, the, the thin line of right and wrong seems to be real hazy and they don't really know how to navigate it. And as much as we try to put our influence in and, and share our experiences and, and tell them, Hey, this is right. And this is wrong. They seem to go out and still make the wrong decisions. Even sometimes in a situation where they are, they know they're making the wrong decision and they go and they do it anyway. So it's, it's weird to say like who or what the problem is. I like, I like Latrice's response where she says society, but I, I don't know how to put a finger on what society is and what it is about society that's different now as opposed to just social media and all these different forms of information that we have that we have no clue was given it. Like, there, there's so many answers out here. We don't know what jackass is sitting in their basement writing it on the fucking internet and giving it to them, and we run with it. You, you can see that shit from these QAnon people. And these are fucking adults out here that are taking information off the internet and just fucking going stupid. You can only imagine how these kids are being completely confused and not knowing what to do. You know what I mean? So it it seems like it's a, it's a, I don't want to say conspiracy, but it feels like there's just a block. There's something that's, that's distorting getting the information to our kids and helping them make better decisions. Hudson, what about you? I agree with Latrice completely. Society. It absolutely is. Look, if and I'll help point point the finger right in the direction of society that it needs to go. Look, it, it we could we could try to blame the kids, or we could try to blame the adults who we have to re- remember were once kids and were taught. You know, it, this stuff is learned behavior. This is not. There's nothing genetic. This is learned behavior. Right. But before before uh, uh, people were taking themselves, before fathers were taking themselves out of home. Right. It was crack up epidemics. Right. It, it was it was that tearing up the homes and who brought that in. Right. And, and before that, you know, long before that, let's go all the way to the beginning of our of our history in this country. Right. Who was taking black men out of the homes then. Right. Look, there's something wrong with the fact that all that that all those disturbances those riots those demonstrations all that stuff that happened on the south side and that made its way to downtown and all those people who lived in downtown were so upset but there's a problem when they don't look and even begin to contemplate or understand how they're a part of the problem and and why things are happening the way they are happening you know, why are they so scared for us to come downtown and demonstrate, right? So deep down, they feel like that we're dangerous, that we're a problem. But they don't, they, they, mm-hmm. they try to take themselves out of the equation altogether as if they're not a part of the problem, right? Society 
right, is what is what needs to handle this. There, there's no one person. There's no there's no parents, no adults. You know, you have to blame all society. And once society sees this as a problem, because it is society's problem, these kids go out into the world and they do bad. This is a society problem. They commit crimes. They shoot up schools. They do whatever they do. This is a society problem. This is no longer just Johnny didn't make it and now Johnny's on the street and and it's Johnny's problem. No, it's not that. It's Johnny Mm -hmm. got out there. Johnny's grabbing a gun. He's doing this or Johnny's robbing this home or Johnny's going here. Johnny's going there. And, and one of the great things that happened, it, it wasn't great, but it was great in the sense is that they did go downtown and they did tear yeah. up stuff and they did show them that we will come there. And that was almost one of the best things, but it didn't wake them quite up yet. They did not want to take, they did not want to take any of the responsibility in that. Right. So, so society is a perfect answer. It's who it is. You can't just blame adults because they were once children too. And they got taught just mm-hmm. like just like these children got taught now, whether it was active teaching or whether it was by somebody not being in the home and not being able to guide them in the right direction. That too was teaching those children. And they grew up like this. So society's to blame for that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think there's much to gain from really blaming either side. Anytime I hear a bunch of people talking about these kids are so terrible and we were so much better as kids back in the 70s and 80s, it just sounds hypocritical to me. Like you all don't really remember how it was like then and how many people were dying and how much drug addiction spread during those times. And at the same time, I, I don't see the point in blaming these parents, half of whom are working their fingers to the bone to just barely be able to provide for their families and are doing the best they can with the resources that they have. I, I don't I don't think that's what gets us further. Um, I, I definitely feel like we have to attack society and really the culture that we have in these communities. And I mean, to me, you all already know, like, the, the things that I'm passionate about, poverty and mass incarceration. Like to me, if, if you made it a poverty issue, if we decided that the way to alleviate this violence and get these communities to change is to attack poverty and put the, a lot of these single parent households in a situation where that woman can work one job, one nine to five, and make enough money where she can come back home and then spend the rest of the evening with her kids. I think that alone would be a massive change for a lot of communities and a lot of these families that are being heavily impacted. I think the way we have handled these issues in our community, basically locking up people for any little thing and completely disconnecting it from the, the poverty that we're experiencing, I think it's wrong. And I think it's been seriously detrimental. And so that being said, mm-hmm. I'm glad that we got that clear overall that parents and kids are not to be to blame, but on an individual basis, uh, for some people that I have just been, <laughs> I just had the pleasure of viewing. Some of you motherfuckers need to get your tubes tied. Some of y'all need to go get cut. <laughs> Pull out faster, something. Some of you motherfuckers need to stop having kids. Seriously. 
Some of y'all, some of y'all are so fucked up in the head. You do not need to have kids because you are passing them fucked up genes on to another generation. And not only are you passing the genes, you're passing the information that you have in your fucked up head to that damn kid. You got some motherfuckers out here that don't need to be having kids. And some of these kids out here should have been aborted. Hate to say it. Sorry to be mean, but that's just the case. Some of these motherfuckers out here serve no purpose. Seriously. They really do. They, they, they shouldn't have been born. They, you, your mother should have swallowed. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. And I and that's only because I worked in a store yesterday and I saw at least five. I saw at least five kids and at least five to six fathers that I wanted to punch in the fucking face. Because it's like, come on, man. Get your goddamn kid. This kid is going to wake up and murder somebody one day. I promise you he is. <laughs> he's going to murder you, you know? first. Then he's going to go somewhere and he's going to start stabbing fucking people. Okay? You need to do something about this shit now. I literally saw a dude in the store who walked in and his wife, they both had four kids. The woman was carrying two of these kids while the other two was walking by her. He walked into the store first and went to shopping. This woman was struggling with four kids. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, bro? You got to do you something. You see what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The man don't want to do nothing. Boy, I swear. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. And, 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 and it ain't anything worse. He might be one of those that actually maybe he does bring in enough money to support the family himself. Maybe she's not working, but he don't want to do jack. But bring in that set. And all. He want to walk on in the store and let it be. Because it got even worse at the end. By the time they got up to the register, my man, I swear to God, the lady had four, two of these kids in her hand. The other two was holding on to two carts. This lady was pushing. She was pulling two carts full of clothes. My man. man got up. He paid and he walked out the door. <laughs> he left. This lady had four kids and two carts full of clothes. And he and paid she, for all of them. He, Why is he dragging a cart? He left. What? He she didn't left. put no, no money down on it. He, he made paid all that money. He, he made it. the kids. You can at least get the kids. You can get the kids. He did his part. You couldn't get the kids, bro. Come on, man. You couldn't get you couldn't get the kids, man. You could have put the kids in the car seat. I looked out the window. The lady was loading the car with the clothes and the kids. My man was in the driver's seat. He was just waiting. Like, come on, hurry up. Like, you know, real. you know that girl don't work. He goes out, works hard every day, gets that money, and he spends his money on his woman and his kids. Why can't she pull the two of them kids, kids was boys? The them two boys, and not only, not only do I believe that that mother probably beat the hell out of that woman the majority of the time. If she even bothered or she <laughs> even, you want a baby? Could you pick up this bag? Shut the fuck up, bring them bags. In. <laughs> what What's that? I only do them. Th- was it? Was Boy. it the color purple? Is that the movie? Is that the movie with Danny Glover? He's in there. He <laughs> take wait. Is that the same? Is that the movie I'm thinking of? Yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure. It it was just as bad. And he ain't doing nothing. Yeah, that's the dream. Oh, yeah, all day. You cut me, I kill you. The the crazy thing to me is the people who should have kids the least 
always seem to be the ones who have the most kids. Like, oh I'll my be god, talking with a guy oh. and he be like, "Yeah, I can't stand kids. I, I ain't never gonna be taking care of my kids." I, and I'm like, "Oh, so you ain't got no kids, right?" He's like, "Oh no, I got six of them little bastards." Oh I'm like, god. "What you mean, bro? <laughs> what you mean? Why did you go ahead and just get your tubes tied or something, bro? Whatever something, it is." Something. Just, Whatever it is, snip, snip, bro. If you if you want to roll, if you want to roll, bro, do what you got to do, just not to have them. <laughs> Don't fuck around and turn this world into a shitty place because your seed is all over it. And you'll see a woman. <laughs> You see a woman with like four, five kids, and you can tell she don't like none of them. Oh. She she ain't got no interest in any of the men around. Looks at them with pure disgust. I'm like, why? Well, see, they, this they was this was the third family I saw yesterday. But see, they the third honest. family. But that dude that Jason <laughs> talking about in the store, I bet you he acting like he dad of the year. I bet you he acting he like he dad of the year. You saw probably he got bought a cup two carts of. St- he bought two carts worth of materials for his family. Stop. He is dad of the year. Stop. He's doing Bring them kids on out to the car along with them clothes, huh? Come on. Stop. I'll be out here. You mean <laughs> I got to buy all this stuff and push the carts and oh. hold up the kids? Come on now. Stop. A fair distribution of work. That's oh, what wow. we need. <laughs> the, 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 third, the third was I saw that I wish the motherfuckers would have had their tubes tied was a woman <laughs> who had three kids one who was standing up in the cart, and the whole time I'm like, this kid gonna fall and crack his head in the middle of the store, and we all gonna get sued, and I'm gonna lose my little part-time job. <laughs> I, I didn't really feel all that bad about that. It's like, all right, well, whatever. But I knew if I had said something to this woman, she'd lost her mind. So I, I sat there and I watched. And one kid was steady pushing the cart while the one kid was trying to stand up, and the whole time, and these kids just hollering and yelling, they loud as hell. The whole time, Baby girl just trying on sunglasses. Boy, I'm going to look good in this shit when I leave these niggas with whoever the fuck I leave them with. I swear to God. Like, she just, like, she playing. Whatever vacation she taking, that's all. That's where she at. Ooh, I'm going to hit them hard Ooh. as hell on the beach with these oh, sunglasses she like, and shit. She like, Ooh, bitch. <laughs> Nigga, didn't I tell you to sit down? Stop standing up in that car. Ooh, shit. Ooh. <laughs> she would come back to these niggas like every five minutes and they right next to her. One that ran off in the middle of the store. I'm like, you going to get that? You going to get him? You don't know who in here? Who in the store? <laughs> Is somebody snatch you and bring him in one of these damn tailor rooms or something? Come on, man. Get, come on. These sunglasses can't be that important. More important than the kids? Come on, man. You could have left them and came out and did that shopping by your damn self. She thinking, she thinking about she going to bring back another one on whatever trip she going on with them sunglasses. That's a good one. Man, I swear wow. to God. Wow. Oh, All right, brothers. As always, a pleasure. I want to thank all of you for joining us here at SGH Man Cave. We appreciate you spending time with us today. Remember that you can hear this and other episodes on all your major podcast platforms. We're on YouTube at SGH Man Cave. Once you're there, please hit that subscribe button, like, and leave a comment. You can also like, share, and follow us on Facebook at SGH Podcast Family and at SGH Man Cave. I would like to thank my two fellow podcasters, Jason and Hudson, for keeping it real. Until next time, this is your host, Samori, signing off.